Before we start the Sikha, I think it's just important to mention a theme that's going to be very relevant to the whole Sikha, is that as it's explained in Chassidus, brought from many earlier Sfarim, is that every single thing in the world is made up of the four elements of Eish, Mayim, Ruach, and Ofer. That is fire, water, air, and dust, or earth. In addition to this, it's explained in the Sfarim and brought in Chassidus, that even before you have these particular four elements, which make up every single thing in the world, and everything is made up of each one of these four things, there's also something called the Choymer Hiyuli. There's like a formless matter, which doesn't have any sort of shape, form, description, which every single thing, including these four, are made up, or come from this original Choymer Hiyuli, this original formless matter, which we could call the essence of every single thing, in other words, even deeper than these four Yesoides, these four elements. And now to the Sikha. Says the Rebbe in regards to the Makos that Hashem brought on Mitzrayim, there's a Machloikas between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Eliezer says that each one of the Makos was really made up of four Makos. Each Maka really consisted of four Makos. Rabbi Akiva says that each Maka was made up of five Makos. What is really the point of this machloikas? What is really behind these two opinions, whether each maka was made up of four or each maka was made up of five? So the kolboy, in the name of the Baal HaMalamed, explains it in the following way, that Rabbi Eliezer is of the opinion that the makos permeated all four elements of the particular item in which the maka was taking place. Which means to say that the Makkah was not only in the particular item as it is already made up of all four elements and has the shape and form that it currently has, but rather the Makkah reached even deeper, even into the essence of each one of these four elements. And that's why every Makkah is made up of four attacking or, or um, uh, striking the, each one of these four elements. For example, the Maka of Dom, which came to strike the water, but it wasn't only striking the water as it's already in the shape and form of water the way we have it, but rather also the Eish, Ruach, Ofer, also the fire, the ear, the dust that's within the water. So that's Rabbi Eliezer's opinion. Rabbi Akiva takes it one step further. He says that the Maka also reached, was also striking the choymer hiyuli of the thing. In other words, again, that shapeless form, which is completely removed, doesn't even have any of the, the forms yet of the four Yusoidais. And this is why he says that the Maka was made up of five, because it struck the four Yusoidais, but went even deeper into the very, very essence of the thing, the choymer hiyuli. Says the Rebbe, the point of the Makos, as the name implies, it came to strike, to break, to crush Mitzrayim. From this we understand that this idea that the Makos permeated all of the, every single item, but also down into its basic elements, and is, is number one, according to both opinions, it's not only the item as it is seen, the visible item, but rather it also went into the deeper aspects of the item, into the essence of the item. And number two, says the Rebbe, the two opinions 
in the way we look at it, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Akiva, whether it also permeated the very essence, the Choymer, Hiyuli, into that formless matter, or it's only as it already has some sort of shape and form of the four Yusoides, what are these things based on? It's all based on how they view to what extent the Tuma of Mitzrayim actually penetrated and permeated things. Which in accordance to that amount, that's how much the Makis now need to deal with to strike and to nullify this Tuma. Says the Rebbe, this idea that the Tuma of Mitzrayim reached into, in, in deeper than just what you see in front of, in front of you, but rather into the essence of the matters, says the Rebbe is also expressed, this machloikas is also expressed, like all in matters, like all matters of Agado and Pnimiyas HaToyra, is also expressed in Nigla the Torah and all the way to the area of Halacha. And that is in how we view the Isur of Chometz, which of course the Isur of Chometz, Chometz is all as a result of the Tumor of Mitzrayim, and therefore, the way we just explained what's happening with the tomb of Mitzrayim is also going to have bearing on what happens and how we view what happens by Chometz. The Easter of Chometz, as we know, is not only that you're not allowed to eat it, it's not only you're not allowed to derive pleasure from it, but there's also the concept of Bal Yiro, Bal Yimotze. You're not allowed to, it's, it's not allowed to be seen, it's not allowed to be found in one's possession. And as a result of this, that also brings with it the obligation of beer chametz, that we must destroy the chametz. So in regards, again, to the Easter of chametz, we have three things. It's not allowed to be eaten. We're not allowed to have benefit from it. And bal and bal it's not allowed to even be seen and found in our properties, which is therefore, again, the idea that it needs to be destroyed. What are these three ideas? So when we look at the concept of eating or the prohibition of eating, this is when we're looking at the, the, the food as it is already in its full form of, of an item of food that it's roi lachila that could be, that's edible. We're not looking at as it is in a pure matter for itself without a shape and form yet. In other words, we're not looking at the very, very essence, what's deeper down behind the food. On the other hand, when we speak about Hanoah, the idea of deriving pleasure or the prohibition of deriving pleasure means that now this, this Isur has also gone down to the very, very essence of this particular thing, not only in its shape and form, the way it's right now ready for food. The Rebbe says, in fact, this will be one of the explanations how it even makes sense that you can have something that's Osur Bachili and not allowed to eat it, but it's Mutter Bahano, you are allowed to derive pleasure from it. Because seemingly, if this is something that's ra, that's evil, that's prohibited, how is it possible to have hanah from this? But the explanation is the same point that we were just mentioning. The iser achila, the prohibition of eating means that the ra, the negativity, is only on the form, on the chitzoinius, on the external part of the item. In other words, that which is making it right now completely edible. The way it's right now, an edible item. And therefore, we say, because the Ra didn't go deeper than that level, so it's Mutter Bahano, we're allowed to have pleasure from it, because if we're speaking about the, the, the very matter itself or the essence of it, which that's what we might be deriving pleasure from it, not, in other words, we're not having the pleasure from eating it, we're having some other sort of pleasure from it, at that level, the Ra didn't penetrate. So we have these two levels so far, eating, which is on the external form, 
and Hana, which is related to deeper than the external form. Says the Rebbe, but even Hana, even deriving pleasure or the prohibition of deriving pleasure, since it's still connected with having some sort of use of the item, and that is, the item obviously has, this matter has some sort of form, some sort of format. Therefore, that itself shows that it also is connected already. The Isser the, the is also connected to the matter as it has some sort of tzir, some sort of particular form. Whereas by chametz, what do we say? In addition to this, we have the Isser that we're not even allowed to own the chametz. Without even using the chametz at all. It's not even, not, not even if we don't use it, we're not allowed to own it. That means the Isser had penetrated so deeply into the essence of the item, even as it is, so to speak, divested of any sort of form. And this is why the actual existence of the schametz in our possession is also because the Iser had and the, and the negativity had penetrated so deeply into this item. So now let's have a look at the at, at the mitzvah of beer chametz. We're not allowed to own the chametz, and we have to get rid of the chametz. So we actually have a machloikas between Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim. Rabbi Yehuda is of the opinion ain beer chametz elosrefa. The only way to deal with chametz. To get rid of the chametz, we have to burn it. The chachamim say, we don't have to necessarily burn it. We could crumble it and throw it into the wind, or throw it into the ocean. What is the machloikas? The ragachavar explains the reason for this machloikas, that according to Rabbi Yehuda, we need to get rid of the very, very essence of the chametz itself, and therefore we need to burn it. Because if we are just going to crumble it and scatter it and so on, the essence of that chametz is technically still around. Whereas the Chachamim say, the Chachamim are of the opinion, that it's enough that we are just nullifying, we're getting rid of the form of the chametz as it is in its current form. In other words, we're taking away the ability that a person should be able to eat it or derive pleasure from it. And that is being accomplished also if I'm just um, scatter, uh, crumbling it and scattering it. And therefore it's also understood that this, it's, in other words, this idea of how I need to go and get rid of it is all dependent on the same point. To what extent the Isur of the Chametz had penetrated into the, in the, into the particular item. If the Isur had penetrated, had gone in all the way to the very, very core essence, then we need to get rid of it to the extent that the whole Chametz, the very essence of it, is completely destroyed. Whereas if the Isur only touched its shape and form, the way it's right now, uh, an edible item, so then it would be enough to get rid of the form of it, in other words, the ability to eat it and to derive pleasure from it. We don't have to bother with the very, very essence, because there, the Isser never touched. Says the Rebbe, this now fits very much with the two opinions that we explained from Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Akiva in regards to the Makis. Rabbi Eliezer is of the opinion that every Maka again was made up of four Makis which we said means that the makos, whereas each item has already at least the four yisoidos, it has already that form made up of the eshmaim ruach and afor. And that would fit with the sheet of the chachamim that say that it's enough to, to crumble it, to scatter it to the wind. We just have to destroy the metzius of chametz as it is connected to some sort of form already of chametz, which in other words would be the ability to be able to eat it and ha- derive pleasure from it. Whereas Rabbi Akiva is of the opinion that every Makkah consisted of five Makkahs, the Makkahs also had to strike the very, very essence, the Chaymer Hiyuli, 
And that's because he is of the opinion, like Rabbi Yehuda, that that the only way of getting rid of chametz is by absolutely burning it, getting rid of the essence. Says the Rebbe, similar to these two ideas of how one needs to burn the chametz, in regards to the actual metzius of the chametz, whether the Torah was actually assering, prohibiting the very, very essence of the metzius, even as it has absolutely no shape and form, or the metzius, as it already has some sort of title, some sort of form, it is already roi lahano, we could have some sort of pleasure from it. Says the Rebbe, we could actually take it a step further, that even within the Isur Hanoi itself, which as we said, shows um, whether, how, how deep the Ra had gone, that it's even deeper than just the description of it, just the, the title and form of it. So here too, there's two ways of understanding this. Or there's two, there's two ways of looking at it. There's, we're going to see another Machloikas now. The Rebbe says like this, there is a Hanoi that brings and is in some way still related to eating. Because, as the Rebbe quotes, usually pleasure is going to lead to some form of eating, because you're going, you're deriving pleasure from it, you're going to be getting money, for example, you sold it, you're getting money, and then with this money you could buy food. So in other words, in a, in a broader sense, every single hanod that a person has, some sort of benefit from it, there's always any sort of benefit is, is some way going to be related to this idea that's related to food and so on and so forth. So that's one way of understanding of what type of hano we're not allowed to have. Then there's another type of use that a person has where there's absolutely no sort of benefit or gain at all. So for example, says the Rebbe, one's going to take the Isur and he's going to give it to, to dogs of Hefker. Which means to say, it doesn't even belong to him. He doesn't even have to feed the dog. So he has absolutely no benefit at all out of it whatsoever. So in the Yerushalmi, there's actually a machloikas. Whether one is allowed to give chametz to these dogs of Hefker. So one opinion would hold that it's mutter, it's allowed. And then there's another opinion that says, that from the Pasuk, chametz, we actually learn that it's coming to include something. It's coming also to prohibit the use of feeding chametz even to dogs of Hefker. Says the Rebbe, so we can explain that this machloikas is again going into the question, related to the question, to what extent the Isur of Chametz is connected with the very, very essence of the matter of the thing. If we say the Isur is only on the, yes, it's on the essence of the thing, but it's only as far as it's connected to some sort of shape and form, some sort of description, then that would mean that the Isur Hano, which is connected, yes, it is connected with the Etzem, but it's still only limited to those sorts of pleasures that at least have some sort of connection to food. It's going to bring ultimately to eating. But if we say that the Isur is literally on the very, very essence, even as it's removed from any sort of shape and form and title, and any sort of description, any sort of format, then we would say that the Isur Ano is an Isur on its own that is, includes any type of use of the Chametz, even if it's not going to lead to any sort of Achilo whatsoever. The Rebbe points out, as an additional point, that based on this whole way of looking at it, we can now explain that we know that there's also another opinion. Rabbi Yossi Aglili says, we quoted Rabbi Eliezer and we quoted Rabbi Akiva, but Rabbi Yossi Aglili's opinion is brought in the Mechilta before these two opinions, 
And he says, Minayin, how do we know that the Egyptians in Mitzrayim had 10 makos? Which means that there was only 10 makos. Not like Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Kiva are arguing that it was made up of each one of four or five, etc. And the Yamdu was 50 makos, etc. That is, because Rabbi Yoisi, according to in his, his shita, is that actually chametz is permissible ba'ano. Again, we were explaining the whole idea of is, isra'ano means because it went down into the inner layers, the, the deeper layers of the item. But according to Rabbi Yoisi, that he's saying that it's mutar ba'ano, is because according to him, the isra of the chametz is only in the outer part of it, in the current format as it is, which basically shows that the tumah of Mitzrayim only to- touch the very external aspects of matters. And therefore, when it comes to the makis as well, each makis only as the particular item is already made up of all the four elements, etc., etc., in its 100% full format. Says the Rebbe, based on what we explained, that the machloikas between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Kiva is dependent on to what extent the tumah of Mitzrayim permeated Mitzrayim and everything in it, we could also explain the reason why we have two different opinions in the Medrash regarding the Dalit Goliaths. In other words, there's often a discussion about four Goliaths, four Golosim. But the question is which nations, which, which um, governments are counted as part of these four Goliaths. So in most places, Golos Mitzrayim is not counted as part of these four kingdoms or Goliaths. And the reason is, what it says is, is because Shokul Kikulam, because Mitzrayim weighs equal to all of them and more than them, and that's why it's not mentioned together with them, because it is way greater and, and, and than all the other Goliaths. On the other hand, there are places where Mitzrayim is enumerated and counted as the first of the four Goliaths, four Malchius and Goliaths. How do we understand this? Is it part of the four or is it not part of the four? Says the Rebbe, these two opinions are connected with this idea that we were speaking about, and this machloikas, to what extent the Tumah of Mitzrayim permeated Mitzrayim, to explain. The reason why Mitzrayim is in most cases, in most places not mentioned together with the others, with the other four Malchius and Goliaths, in other words, it's counted as something separate, is because the four Malchius and the four Goliaths correspond and are against, they're opposing the four Oiseus of Shem Havaya. Golus Mitzrayim, goes beyond that. It corresponds to the little koit, the little thorn, or the little tip on top of the yud. It's known also that the four yesoidois, which we speak about, spoke about earlier in the Sikha, the four elements, they are also corresponding to the four oiseus of shame havaya. And the koitzoy shel yud, that tip on top of the yud, which in the spheres would represent the sphere of keser, this would be, if the four oiseus are like the four you saw this, the tip of the yud is representing what we were discussing before, that formless matter that we call the hiuli. So in other words, the four goliois correspond to the four yusoidois, and golus mitzrayim was saying, here there was a, a, it touched a much deeper place, even into the choymer hiuli, even into that deepest essence. So that's a court, that's the Maimori Razal that are saying, Mitzrayim cannot be counted to the other four. The four are the four Yesoidis. Mitzrayim is way beyond that. On the other hand, the Maimori Razal where Mitzrayim is mentioned amongst the, amongst the four Malchias, is going according to the opinion that Mitzrayim is one of the four when we speak about the four letters of Hashem's name or the, in the Sphero, so it would be the Sphero of Chachma, 
Now, even though, of course, this opinion also is that Mitzrayim is the root of all of the Goliaths, but it's the kind of root that's already connected with and includes the other Goliaths, in other words, not completely, completely removed. In other words, according, this is the opinion that says that Klippas Mitzrayim is, is only affecting that matter the way it's already in the form of the four Yesoides. So Mitzrayim is, because if there's the four Yesoides, according to this opinion, we didn't go deeper into the essence. So Mitzrayim is also one of the four Yesoides. That's exactly what's happening in Mitzrayim. We didn't go, even in Mitzrayim, we didn't go further than those four. So this is the way we explain these two opinions based on the same achloikas we had before. Now the Rebbe turns to Avoida. Says the Rebbe, this, the idea of Golos and Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim also applies in the spiritual Avoid of Yid. Mitzrayim, as we know, is from the word Meitzorim Ugvulim, limitations, boundaries and limitations. Golos Mitzrayim means that the Avoid of Yid is with a certain limit, with a certain Gvul, Medida Vahagbala, limitations. Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim means he's going out in his Avoid of all limitations, even the limitations of the Nefesh Olikis. And here again, we have this Machloikis between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Akiva. Whether the Makis were only in the four Yesoidois, or also in the Choymer Hiyuli in the very essence, which in Ruchnius would mean, whether we need the Avoid of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim only in our ten faculties of the Nefesh, which are often generally divided into the four groups, the ten Koiches will be divided into four groups, as we'll soon see what they are, and they will correspond to the four Oisius of Shem Havaya. And those are, number one, you have the first group is Avoida Bapoil in Machshava Dibur Maisa, which would be the sphere of Malchus. That if it doesn't specify over here, but that would be like the Hay of Hashem's name, the second Hay. Then we have a step up is in the Midois, which correspond in the sphere that's called Zoz, Eranpin. Number three, you or what's that's that would be the Vav of Hashem's name. Number three, you have the Seichel, or generally the idea of Bina, which would be the first Hay of Hashem's name. And finally, the idea of Mesiras Nefesh. So this is one way of looking at the Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim needs to be in these four areas. In other words, there could be issues in these four areas, and we need to have a Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim in these four areas. That's one opinion. The other opinion is, no, we need to go a step further even. We need to have a Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim even in the area of Yechidosh Nefesh, which is similar to that Choymer Yuli. How do we understand this? So Rabbi Eliezer is of the opinion that every Makkah was four, of made of four Makkahs. That means the avoid of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim needs to be in these four groups, these four general categories of what we call the Koychas HaNefesh, the revealed faculties of the soul. We need to go out of the limitations in each and every one of these. And the Rebbe goes through all four stages. The lowest thing, thing would be is when a person has those limitations in his Melchama with the Yitzhahara, which is causing him to be Oivarachman Litzlan, in his actions, or even in his speech, in his thoughts, but in other words, in practical, in something of an Aveira. Or at least in those Yisurim which really demand a very, very big battle and challenge, he's not managing, he's having a difficulty over there. So that's one area where he can be having a problem and he needs to have a Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Get out of those limitations of where the Yitzhahar is causing me problems. That's step number one. That's like the lowest of the four Yisoides. That's the idea we said like Malchus or Maisa. Then we have a more subtle idea of Mitzrayim. And here we have a person that, he, although on the one hand, he's definitely absolutely cautious and careful not to be over any sort of Isser. Not even a small Isser medivri soifrim. But nevertheless, his general conduct, his general approach, in, in matters of heter, in permissible things, because he's definitely not doing any Isserim. But it's still in a way, 
that he always is making sure that it should fit with the Hanachas with the attitudes, with the approaches, with the mindset of the world. In other words, by every single thing, he's still very concerned, what are people going to say, how are people going to look at it? This sort of conduct is because there are some sort of limitations, he's having some difficulties in the area of his midos. He's, he's limited based on the feeling of the world around him. In other words, in his midos, he's concerned, he's feel, you know, he's, 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 he's thinking about, and he cares about what's, what's everybody around me thinking and thinking about what I'm doing. Then we have step number three. This is going to be the area of Seichel. Says Rebbe, even if someone left already those limitations about what the world around him is thinking and saying, but there could still be some sort of limitations of one's own mitzis, meaning to say, he's still limited based on his own tam vadas, on his own logic and reason, with the, the cold apathy sometimes that's associated with the coldness of reason and logic. So there's still a certain limitation based on the idea of Seichel. So that's step number three. And then we have step number four, the highest area, according to Rabbi Eliezer, because then we're going to see you according to Rabbi Akiva, we need to go even further. Uh, the highest level that we need to make sure that the Ziyatiyas Mitzrayim, according to Rabbi Eliezer, is in the avoid that's associated with Chachma already. Now Chachma is the avoid of Mesiras Nefesh. And yet, even over here, there could be an issue. So here we could be speaking about a person that now is serving Hashem already higher than Tam Vadas, higher than logic and reason. But there's still some sort of limitation. The Rebbe gives an example. A story that the free the Rebbe told about someone that was saying Kriyashma. And while saying Kriyashma, he was being Mayrich, he was thinking at Barichos about Echod, about Hashem Echod. He was being Mizboinen in Echod. And later he commented that his Izboinenus was, he had a Mizboinenus in Echod just about, a, just almost a minute. Almost a full minute he was thinking about this, the Hizboinunus and Echad. So on the one hand, he's having a deep Hizboinunus and Echad, which is all about the idea of Mesiras Nefesh. And at the very same time, he's looking at the clock, figuring out the, the, the time, how long is he standing in this tenuah of Mesiras Nefesh. So in other words, it's Mesiras Nefesh, but still with some sort of limitation. Or to put this in even a more subtle way, says the Rebbe, you could have a situation. You could have a person that's having Mesiras Nefesh, but he still has the feeling that I am having Mesiras Nefesh. Which shows that he didn't leave all of the limitations of his Mesiras yet. Because it's still about the I. I am having Mesiras Nefesh. This is all Rabbi Eliezer. These are the four stages where you have to have Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Again, these four stages corresponding to the four Yisoides and the four letters of Hashem Havaya, etc. Comes along Rabbi Akiva and says that every maka actually consisted of five makas. There is a step deeper that could be a problem still. But the Rebbe first goes back to Rabbi Eliezer to explain who Rabbi Eliezer is and why Rabbi Akiva is going to have a different opinion. The word Eliezer, in this our case Rabbi Eliezer, of course we have this name in Chumash, Moshe Rabbeinu says, it's so, it's so called because Elikei Avi Be'ezri, the Eibishter Hashem of my father is helping me. So Rabbi Eliezer is a person that has a Yiddish father. He's a Ben Hur, he's Ben Hur, Rabbi Eliezer Ben Hurkinus. And it goes further and further back, all Yidin. He's a Ben Avram Yitzchak V'Yakov. And he has, as we said, Avi Be'ezri. He has Hashem's help. And therefore to Rabbi Eliezer, it wouldn't make sense. It doesn't make, it's not possible that anything could go all the way to the core essence of the Yid. Yes, in these various different koiches, we said, fine, there could be a certain limitation. But we're speaking about the core essence, there definitely nothing could go wrong over there. 
Because as it says, even even when a person is doing a sin, the very essence of the Nisham is always dedicated to Hashem. He's always faithful to Hashem. But Rabbi Akiva comes from Gerim. And he is talking about, and he is trying to make sure, take care of, even those people that need to be brought, that need to be brought to Hashem. Or on a more subtle level, says the Rebbe, there's the avoid that it's known mikfir as mikfirim yichidosi. This is a pasuk in Tehillim. But what, uh, as it's explained in Chassidus, what it means is that even the yichidah could sometimes be in trouble. Even the deepest level of the ne- of the nefesh could sometimes be in trouble, and we need to save it. The avoid of fixing even the etzema nefesh, and that's why he speaks about this fifth level. Says the Rebbe, but because of this itself, we have now the advantage on the other extreme that Davka, as a result of this, does the Yitzias Mitzrayim, even of this level. In other words, we go out of all limitations that can even be over the Etzel Nefesh, because we're reaching the very, very deepest essence of the Nefesh early kiss, which has absolutely no limitations whatsoever. And that brings the Yitzias Mitzrayim into all the levels. And to finally finishing it off, the Yetzias Mitzrayim of all the limitations of this last goal is Begashmias, Kimei Tzeis Chomei Eretz Mitzrayim, Arenen Eflois.